everybody this is one of the best Sundays not only do we get to celebrate how our church family came together to serve God along with other churches and um, help our brothers and sisters in Christ in Congo we get to hear how God is at work in the lives of our confirmation students confirmation is a time when students make their faith their own it's a transition from my parents brought me to church and this is what I have to do on Sunday mornings to I, I know God and I believe in God and I want to be a follower of, of Jesus. And this is a three-year process that the students have been going through, through sixth, seventh, and eighth grade. There has been many teachers before that and since then that have walked with these students, teaching them about the Word of God, sharing their faith and their love for Jesus with our students when they were even just preschoolers and even in the nursery. So many people have poured into this moment. And I want to thank all of you if you've ever had a part in that. Also, um, we have a wonderful team of confirmation teachers. Um, it's hard for me to name everybody because there are so many people. I do want to point out uh, Susan Gillespie. Thank you so much for your leadership. I can't see you. Oh, there you are. You're right in front of me. Thank you, Susan, for your leadership at the beginning of last year. Susan was a teacher the year before, and she said, I can just lead for you. And she has been doing so much of the planning and prepping and scheduling the other teachers. So uh, just a big thank you, Susan, for all that you do. We appreciate you. And also all of our mentors, which you will meet today. Um, part of the three years process that these students have gone through is learning the word of God. But seeing God at work in the world, throughout history, and then also seeing God at work in their life. And that's what we're going to hear today is God at work in their lives through their God stories. And um, as I said, we've had a lot of mentors and teachers that have been part of it. And you will meet their mentors today. They will be standing up with their students as they um, share their stories. Yes, and just a, a brief word, it's kind of a two-pronged approach that we have as a church body. The first is uh, there's a lot of information to learn, uh, whether it's studying the Old and the New Testaments, whether it's doctrines and truths of the Christian faith, these are things that we do value and we want our students, we want all of us to learn. And then the other part of that, which I actually think is more important, is the relational piece. And so during the last few months, each one of our confirmants has had a uh, mentor that they get to choose from our congregation and they meet outside of Sunday morning several times to just talk about life. And I love this quote that um, Pastor Kerry Newhoff says, he says, the goal of the Christian faith is not to know something, but to do something with what you know. And uh, the critical step is it, it's not just about information, it's that we're actually imitating other followers of Jesus as they follow Christ. And there's no better way to do that than just to ride shotgun with someone who's a little further ahead in the journey than you. And to see how, I mean, our experiences are not all the same, but there's things that we have in common that we can share with one another. And we do such a great job in the United States, the, the Church of the United States, in emphasizing the relationship that we all need with Christ and that you can have one as a person. But the place where we kind of hiccup and we fall short is, well, what about the relationship with God's people? What is the whole point of Sunday morning 
and church. There's a critical, valuable connection that we have with one another that's empowered by the Holy Spirit. And so we don't want our students just to learn information about the Bible and about doctrines, super important. Uh, we, want our, we want our students to have a real and live relationship with Jesus, and we also want them to be connected with Christ's body, the church. Amen? And so that's what, we, that's what this journey is all about. Okay, Dan, I'm going to kick you off the stage now so you can be a dad. And I'm going to invite our first confirmand, Bryn Bolge, and her mentor, Susan. And we have a little slideshow as they make their way up. My name is Bryn, and I go to Twin Falls Middle School. I'm a big fan of animals, and you can find me playing softball most days. I've grown up in a church my entire life, and I've been at this church for about nine years. My dad, Dan, is a pastor and grew up in a Christian family, and my mom, Corey, is a paralegal and was also introduced to God at birth. And my brother, Mark, was just confirmed a few years ago. As you can probably tell, I've been surrounded by Christians my entire life. I've always been told that God is real and loves me no matter what, but there came a point in my life where I really had to decide myself if I was going to follow the Lord. Of course I knew he was real, but I never truly felt the Holy Spirit or knew that it was God speaking to me and not just my brain. Throughout my life, I leaned on God here and there, but it was always off and on. Yes, a prayer at dinner and before bed, but not a connection. Now I think we can all agree that COVID was rough. I was lonely, stressed, and insecure about my body. Throughout the night and day, I would repeatedly talk to God as a friend. It helped me to be able to talk to someone about all my worries and know that they were listening. He answered my prayers and stayed with me through all the lonely times. I'd finally made an official decision that I was going to devote my life to God. And not just because I was told I should, but because I wanted to and because I was ready. My brother, parents, grandparents, cousins, aunts, uncles, friends, and pastors all support me in my relationship with God. They expand my knowledge of faith and show me that no matter what, God loves me. God is constantly doing little things to remind me that he's there for me. Like just the other day, I was coming home from a softball game and was feeling down about the way I played. Then I saw a sign that said, Jesus cares about you, and I automatically felt better. A place where I feel the Holy Spirit strongly is at a fun summer camp called Cascades Camp. One night in the week that I'm there, we all gather at an outdoor sanctuary and have people come up and tell their God stories or troubles that they're facing. Everyone ends up crying, and it has really opened my eyes to the great effects God has on everyone. Now, I may not have one big God moment in my life, but he is always lifting me up and showing me whether it's on a sign or through a person that I am enough. 
First Peter 3, 3-4 says, Your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as elaborate hairstyles and the wearing of gold jewelry or fine clothes. Rather, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. This verse helps me better understand that I am worth more than my appearance and should be aware of what I am saying or thinking about others. I have one more verse to share with you that comes right after the one I just said. 1 Peter 8-9 through Finally, all of you, be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing, because to this you were called, you will... Oh, you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. I love my God and just hope that my relationship with him will continue to grow. I could not have made it to this point without my family, church, and all my friends. Thank you for always support, for supporting me in my faith. I've been telling people all week to bring tissue, and of course I forgot, but it's, there's some in the back if anybody needs anything. At this point, I'd like to invite Haley to come on up. Haley Saldivar with Julia. My name is Haley Saldivar, and I go to Twin Falls, and I'm in eighth grade. I've always gone to church with my mom and been surrounded by believers in Christ, but recently I've really found and connected with God. I've learned to see the many ways he has worked in my life, the big and the small. When I was seven months old, my father passed away from suicide. My, my God then sent my mother to adopt me. My mother is the light of my world. God sent her to love, protect, and guide me through life, and she has done just that. I can never thank her enough for all the things she has done for me. Not only did God send her, but she also sent my stepdad, Jason. God guided them to each other by miracle, or faulty dating app. <laughs> God sent Jason to become the father I was missing, and he has but I have pushed him away. He has tried over and over to become the fatherly figure to me. He is so supportive and has a huge heart. He does not deserve my bratty teenager self. By pushing him away, I have also pushed God away. God has given Jason strength every day to keep trying to bond with me, but time and time again, I have pushed him away. God has recently made me see how much Jason has done for me. I'm beginning to see how much of a father he is for me. And by doing this, I'm learning to see the things God has done in my life for me. God has never given up on me, just like how Jason has never given up on me, just like how God never gives up on me. I now see God working in the small ways. I'm a very clumsy person. I trip on stairs all the time, 
But every time I don't fall, it's like I feel God's hand on me, pushing me back on my feet and balancing me. Not only goes, not only does God keep me from physically falling down the stairs, but he guides me in life. When I do fall, he picks me back up and keeps me going and keeps guiding me through life. He works in so many ways in my life. I want to end my time up here with one of my favorite verses. Mark 9:23. What do you mean if I can't, Jesus asked. Anything is possible if a person believes. This has encouraged me so much throughout my life. When I get down on myself, I just say, Jesus says that anything is possible as long as I believe. And that is true for everyone. Don't ever get discouraged by someone telling you you can't do something. You can. All you have to do is believe. Thank you for your time. Thank you, Haley. That was lovely. And now I'd like to invite Emma Gorski and her mentor, Julie Patton. My name is Emma Gorski. My God story is about when I was eight and was stuck in a toxic relationship that was very detrimental to my mental health. Looking back now, I can see how God helped me get out of that relationship and slowly brought healing to my life. When I was in third grade, I was friends with a girl who I thought was my best friend. I trusted her and confided in her and opened up my heart to her, and she used that against me. Some of the things she would do was tell me I was wrong, even though I wasn't, talked about me behind my back, and told my other friends I was not a good person. This crushed me and cost me a lot of friendships. I started feeling depressed, not wanting to get out of bed and not wanting to go to school, and I just shut down. I stopped talking to my family, stopped hanging out with people. Basically, I just wanted to crawl into a hole and disappear. Unfortunately, I continued this relationship, thinking that she was still my friend, but she continued hurting me. This led me to leave public school and stay at home and homeschool with my parents. Over this period of time, I isolated myself. I did a lot of journaling and spending time with my family and surrounding myself with positive influences. I was trying to crawl out of this hole that I now know it was God helping me heal. This taught me that I can really count on God to always be there with me, and with that help and support of my family, my dog Charlie, youth group, and my new friends that were better influences. All of these things helped me get out of my dark place in my life and start, finally start to see the light. Looking back, I can now see that the one set of footprints was not me walking alone, but God carrying me. Through him, I am a stronger person, better daughter, sister, and friend. I'm thankful that I went through this hard time because it changed me for the better, and now I feel more compassionate, and I've helped my friends who are struggling with the same issues. One of my favorite verses is, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for us to do. Ephesians 2.10 I know that God gives his toughest battles to his strongest soldiers, but when did I sign up for the war? (laughs) 
Thank you, Emma. That was wonderful. All of you, thank you so much for sharing your God stories. It's not easy to do um, in front of a group to speak, but also to share something that's so personal to you. So thank you for that. It encourages all of us to hear how God is working in your lives. And um, I don't know if there's feedback. Okay, thank you. Um, go ahead. We're going to introduce uh, Julia Navidi. She is our youth intern, and confirmation's been a big part of her life. She was confirmed at this church, and um, it just seemed fitty, fitting to invite her to share a little bit more about confirmation in her message um, that she's bringing us today. Come on up, Julia. Yeah. My mic's on. Good to know. Well, as Angela said, my name is Julian Avidi. Thank you. <laughs> um, and I've been the youth intern here at Cascade, and I've been helping out with the program for about a year. And let me just tell you, in the past 11 months, it has truly been a pleasure, not just to get to know these three wonderful women, but just everyone in the program as well. Um, as I've been here, I've seen all of them grow, not just in their personalities or the inches they keep on gaining, on me. I've had to wear heels today, if you couldn't tell, just to <laughs> keep up with them. But also in their spiritual maturity. Like each and every one of them have shown great growth with their relationships with God. And I wanted to recognize their spiritual maturity because that's what confirmation is all about, right? We're getting together. And these students aren't just saying, I'm a Christian because I went to Sunday school. I'm a Christian because sometimes I go to youth group because my friends are Christian. I'm Christian because I have an intimate and deep relationship with my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's a big deal, right? They are graduating from the Sunday school classes, from these middle school classes, and they're entering us in the big church. They now fully recognize members of the congregation, or will be in a few minutes. <laughs> It's moments like these, these milestones in our life, which seem to split up our lives into a before and after. Dan talks about this a lot. We have a lot of times when our lives seem split up by these big moments. Before I graduated high school, before I was married, before I had kids, and after. These students can now say, oh, before I was in confirmation class, before I was with all the other young eighth graders in the back, I'm a ninth grader now, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Before, I was going to the middle school youth group with an overly typey intern. <laughs> All these things. And they are now entering a stage of spiritual adulthood, entering a stage with new complexities and responsibilities, with bigger and better questions, and it's a new stage of life. So in preparing for today, I was reading through the Bible, as one does, and I was trying to figure out all the different passages of coming-of-age stories. And this led me to a lot of kind of the basic things, right? Esther and David, and then it hit me. What's the biggest before and after moment in the Bible? It's Jesus, right? Without Jesus, our lives would be completely different. Christianity would be, well, Judaism, right? The church wouldn't exist, sin would be different, our relationship with God and the earth would be completely different. When Jesus came, he truly changed everything. It was one of the biggest moments of separation in the Bible. So if you want to open up your Bibles with me, maybe pull open your phones, apps, whatever you're using, we're going to look at Matthew 28, and it talks about Jesus' resurrection. 
So Jesus has just died, and everyone is grieving the loss of their Savior, right? And these two women, who are both coincidentally named Mary, I like to call them Mary Squared, um, they went and they go to the tomb, and they have what I think is a really special reaction. So Matthew 28 says, After the Sabbath, at the dawn of the first day, Mary Squared went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, and an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, going to the tomb, rolled back the stone, and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the woman, Do not be afraid, for I know that you were looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here. He is risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, He is risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. So the woman hurried away from the tomb, filled with great fear and great joy, and ran to tell his disciples. I love this passage for two reasons. One, because it's a little comical, right? At least I thought so. The way I envisioned this is these women, they're, they're going to the tomb, right, and they're filled with grief, and then this giant angel comes down and rolls this, like, 20-pound ton stone just out of the way, like, no big deal, right? He sits on it, and his appearance is so stunning that the guards freeze up like they're dead. It's like that scene in that first Harry Potter movie where Neville, like, freezes up and then falls over, right? That's how I envision it, and his clothes, they're, they're so intense, they give... Snow White's bird tailors are run for their money, right? Like, really white, really intense. And then they just turn to these girls and they start speaking. That's a lot, right? I, I envision that I would probably be falling over paralyzed as well, right? I would probably run out of there. <laughs> and then he tells them the news. He tells them that things have changed that everything that they have known and everything that they will know is different. That's a lot, right? Obviously, I'm taking some creative liberty with the story here, but I think you guys get the gist. And then after this, the women leave filled with great fear and great joy. And I think that this wording is very intentional. Great joy, I feel like that part's kind of obvious, right? Like, their savior, their friend, isn't dead, he's risen. Things have changed, right? Hope would be in the air as they're going forward. They're feeling the life of Jesus Christ, of this renewal surging through them. That causes great joy, but great fear. It's a little different. You see this a lot in the Bible when people come into contact with angels, because if you guys didn't know, Biblical angels have like six wings and a billion eyes, and they're <laughs> kind of terrifying, and everyone always has to say like, don't be afraid, it's all right. But I think that the message that they bring is also really terrifying, right? Things have changed. Because I don't know about you, but I'm terrified of change. I was terrified when I was confirmed and I realized I was going to be an adult now in the church. I was terrified when I graduated high school and graduated college. And I probably will be terrified when I get married, have kids, watch my kids graduate. Right? Change is scary. So fear and joy. They seem like opposites, but then again, the more I was thinking about it, the more I realized that they really go hand in hand. I want everyone just take a minute really quickly and think of a time when you felt both great fear and great joy. Right? Really think about it all the different times. Awesome. Now, I don't know what you were thinking about, but I was thinking about roller coasters. <laughs> 
So if we go to the next slide, there's this place called Knott's Berry Farms. And there's this ride called the Accelerator, and it shoots you up on that big loop, 200 feet in the air at 60 miles an hour, right? And just like any roller coaster, you get to the top, and it kind of slows down before you drop, and you can see what feels like the entire state of California all around you, and the clicking starts to slow down, and that somehow makes it worse. <laughs> and you're at the top, and it's a lot. The ride itself, it's spelled like X-Celerator. It's like a 13-year-old adrenaline junkie's dream, right? It's a lot. But even so, when you're at that top, I felt great fear and great joy. There's these two voices in my head, right? I think everyone always has them. And if you've seen the movie Inside Out, it definitely would have been the little joy character and the fear character shouting at each other, right? Like, we're almost at the top. We're almost at the top, <laughs> right? <laughs> We're going to drop. We are going to drop, right? We, ah! It's this big combination of fear and joy. And I imagine that that's kind of how Mary Squared felt, right? They're going forward into the world with the news that everything had changed, filled with that great fear and great joy. Now, maybe you can't relate to being confirmed. Maybe you can't relate to riding a crazy roller coaster. So I want to share a story that my parents used to tell me. It was about when they brought home my older sister, Katie, from the hospital. It was their first child, and they said it was the scariest and most excited they'd ever been, right? Because their family had grown. They had expanded. They had brought this new bundle of life into the world. It was amazing. And at the same time, they were responsible for that bundle of life. They didn't know what to do. There was great fear and great joy. And I think in most moments, when our lives suddenly change, we feel both these emotions as well. And in humankind, we really love to kind of lift joy up on a pedestal, right? We pretend like joy is the greatest thing, but we kind of seem to shame fear. It's a little weird. But I think both are very equally important when you're entering these phases, right? Because God, he's kind of terrifying. God, yes, came down and died for our sins, and in so doing so, he overcame death. He created the world, he created the universe. We serve a God who calls 14-year-old girls to overthrow Persian empires, right? We serve a God who gives you a stone and says, take out this seven-foot-tall giant. We serve a God who calls us to do really hard things, a lot of power, and I think if that doesn't scare you a little bit, you might need to reconsider some parts of your faith. And at the same time, if that doesn't bring you immense joy, you should also reconsider your faith. Because we serve a God who raised from the dead, who took on all of our sins, right? who brought us closer to him, who calls 14-year-old girls to overthrow Persian empires, right? He's called us to these great, amazing plans. And if that doesn't give you fear and joy, then I don't know what should. So I wanted to end today by especially encouraging our confirmants, and just anyone else going into a new phase of life. Maybe you're about to get a new job, or you're retiring, maybe you're bringing a new family in, graduating from high school, right? We've got a few of those people here. Whatever it is, we're going to enter into this new phase with great and holy fear and joy. If you'll bow your heads with me, let's pray. Father God, I just thank you for our confirmants today. 
I thank you for bringing them into our congregation and for allowing us to see these wonderful women grow in you. I thank you for dying on the cross and giving us a wide range of emotions to feel and experience your glory in. I pray, Lord, that as we enter these stages in our lives, that we face them with you. I pray that you will give everyone here their peace and your love and your strength and your guidance. And as we finish off today's service and as these girls finally finish up this wonderful three-long-year journey, enter this new stage, that they do it with you. We love you, Lord, and all that you do. And it's in your holy name that we pray with fear and joy. Amen. Thank you, Julia. And now I'd like to invite our confirmands to take the stage. And they have a few vows that they're going to take together. And then we're going to pray for them. And you all also have a job that we're going to do. We're going to recite the Apostles' Creed together. But first, if the following is your desire, please respond, I do, to these questions. Do you confess a personal faith in Jesus Christ and desire with God's help to be his disciple? If this is your desire, please say, I do. Do you believe with the church of Jesus Christ that the Bible, both the Old and New Testaments, is the word of God telling the story of God and God's people in the past and guiding them today? If this is so, say, I do. As you continue in your life, do you intend to keep worshiping in Christ's church? listening to his word and responding to his call according to your faith? If this is so, say, I do. So be it, according to your faith. So as part of the rite of confirmation, we're going to recite the Apostles' Creed, and we're all going to do this together out loud, but we're going to do it um, in parts, in three parts. I'm going to have a prompt, and then we're going to recite it, and the words are behind you, and you guys can look at that as you do. So my question to you is, do you, do all of us, believe in God? I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. Do you believe in Jesus Christ? I believe in Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Do you believe in the Holy Spirit? I believe in the Holy Spirit, the whole Christian church, the community of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Awesome. Well, at this point, we're going to go to the kneeling benches. I'm going to invite you guys to kneel. We're going to pray for them. And I'd like to invite family and friends, mentors, teachers to join us, too. Okay, Bryn, 
Emma and Haley. We lift you up. I thank you, God, for these girls and for these, um, their faith and for their stories and how you've worked in their lives. I pray, Lord, that through the support of their friends and their family and their church family, that you would continue to form their identity in you, Jesus. Lord, we pray for their future, a future that is marked by your presence, by your grace, and by your peace. And by the knowledge that no matter what comes their way, whether it's fearful or joyful, that you are in it and you are near to them. Amen. Okay, now the part you're all been waiting for. You're finished, you're done, you're graduated, you're confirmed, and we have some Bibles that we want to present to you on behalf of Cascade Covenant Church, the leadership team here, your teachers and parents and everyone involved, and as Angela brings those over, um, we're going to give you a round of applause. just going to call this a day. All right, Danny, we're calling an audible, no final song. I'm going to send you out with a, a blessing, a benediction that comes from Numbers chapter 6. So please rise and receive this benediction. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen. Amen. God bless you. We'll see you next week. Oh, yes, there's lots of cake in the foyer, so please join us and stick around for a while and congratulate these confirmands.